0: Many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we, we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be so. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. main point of that's pretty obvious. Watch what you say. And that's the point of that thing is we need to be careful what we say. James says the person who controls his tongue is perfect. In the New Testament, when you see the word perfect, Kind of the idea is complete or mature. It's something that's accomplished its purposes. So James is saying the guy who can or girl who can control his or her tongue, they're mature, they're complete. They've, they, they've accomplished the purposes that God created them for. He's putting a lot of emphasis on speech, on what we say. I think where we live, we don't do that. Most of us maybe have kind of an unwritten, in our minds, we have these unwritten sin lists. We have the general list, and we have our personal list. The general list might have stuff like at the top is you know murder or blasphemy or kidnapping, whatever the big ones are. They're on the general list. And then we have the personal list, and that's the stuff that we struggle with. It's you know pride or jealousy or whatever. And if we were to merge our two lists, coincidentally, our personal lists, usually those are pretty far down on the general list. We don't commit any of the big sins, or the sins that we commit aren't really that big in our mind. And for most of us, verbal sins are nowhere on either one of them like that's god's got bigger things to worry about than what i say they say the average person speaks about 16,000 words a day so if you start that let's say you hit that when you're 18 children should be seen and not heard so when you're 18 you start doing 18,000 words 16,000 words a day and you live to 75 you've spoken about 332 million words in that 50 whatever this, 50-year lifespan. That's a lot of words, but most of us don't think about any of them. Everybody says pretty much whatever they want with very little consequence, and so it's easy for us to think the same thing, but the New Testament puts a lot of emphasis on what we say. There's at least a dozen ways you can sin by what you say listed in the New Testament. Really, the summary, it's what your mama said. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. But the Bible gives a lot more specifics, just real quick. I'm just going to run through these real fast. Gossip. Literally, that's a whisperer. One who pours his or her poison against their neighbor by whispering. As Christians, one of the traps we need to be aware of is the prayer request trap. So, under the guise, under the pretense of sharing with you how you can pray for him, I'm going to tell you all their dirt. And then if I say, but pray for them, somehow that makes it okay. That doesn't make it okay. It's still gossip. If, you're not, if you want to tell him your stuff, then you tell him your stuff. But if it goes through me, then it's gossip. It's a huge sin in the church. Slander. This is not really a word that we use a lot. Literally, it means backbiter. Someone who speaks evil against another. The only difference between someone who gossips and someone who slanders is the person who slanders says it in public. The one who gossips says it in private. That's it. The content is the same. The intention is the same. Again, in the South, we have this bless his, bless her heart thing that we tag on the end. You can say whatever you want, and you put bless his heart on it. Sometimes it's okay. That guy's an idiot. He's a moron. Oh, but bless his heart. All right, I guess it was fine then. The secular version of that is just kidding. Say whatever you want. Oh, I was just kidding. Don't. Boasting. You know what this is? One who brags about their accomplishments, usually exaggerated for the purpose of making themselves Look good. Reviling, that's not a word we use in the King James. It's called railing, railing against someone. It's using abusive language, quarreling, you know what that is. Clamoring, that's shouting, usually about something controversial, kind of the picture. Um, It's from where it's ravens, the bird ravens squawking at each other. That's what clamoring is. Evil speaking, that's really more like a blasphemer. In In the NIV, that word's also translated slanderer, but it's a different word. It really means blasphemer, it, but not towards God, towards another person. Saying something that's intentionally designed to, to tear down another person's reputation. Um, obscenity, filthy language, that's either talking about bad things or using bad language. Foolish talking, this one's a little, again, if you've got 16,000 words a day. Foolish talking, is uh, it's idle, worthless kind of talk. I think for some of us this kind of fits under there. Again, kind of in Christian circles, one of the things we can fall into is counseling people. Somebody comes to us, and they want to say, this is what's going on, and we take advantage of that opportunity to tell them everything that they need to do. And, and James says earlier in chapter 1, we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. A lot of us are the opposite. We're pretty slow to listen, and we're pretty quick to speak. If you're the kind of person who, when someone's talking to you about what's going on, if you're waiting for them to breathe so you can jump in, you're quick to speak. And we think because we've got good information, we need to deliver it. But information is not wisdom. Information at the right time is wisdom. Information doesn't change very many people. But very few people are not changed by wisdom. We can go next door and we can tell the 8, 9-year-olds about dating. It's information at this point. When they're 15 and 16 and 17, we tell them the same stuff and it becomes wisdom because it's timely. One of the things for all of us to get is the importance of the right thing said at the right time. And the right time is not when somebody takes a breath. It's when there's an, there's an opening there. When, when someone is open to what you want to say, then your information can become wisdom and it actually helps. Otherwise, it's just, it's, it's just talking for the sake of talking. It do, it's not doing anybody any good. So again, just because you have something good to say, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be said. Look for the right time. Coarse jesting, that's nothing that we ever talk about. Um, That was the most difficult to define. This was the best I heard. Aristotle, the philosopher, said, coarse jesting, he put it on the continuum between being a buffoon and being a bore. So if you want to be somewhere in there, that's coarse jesting, lying, you know what that is, not telling the truth, and perjury is breaking your word. That's just, that's 12 or 13 specific ways in the Bible that talks about that we can sin with what we say. There's, throughout jesus paul james everybody in the new testament mentions what we say as um a a, a stumbling block for us jesus says this in matthew 12 starting in verse 33 make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit you brood of vipers how can you who are evil say anything good for out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks that's the key point right there out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that word careless doesn't mean accidental it means worthless useless word that they have spoken so you've got 332 million words I do too that I've got to give account for for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned so it's not just James it's Jesus. Also, the key part there, again, is what co- what's in your heart comes out with what you say. If you want to know what's going on in your heart, step back and listen to yourself talk. It's a pretty good picture. If what comes out of you is gossip, if what comes out of you is slander, if what comes out of you is filthy, well, that's a pretty good reflection of what you're going on in your heart, according to Jesus. He says what's in there comes out of there by what we say. This doesn't negate what we've said the past couple of weeks, the importance of doing. Talking is another form of doing. It's a reflection of what's going on in your heart. And Jesus says we're going to have to give account for that. That by our words we're acquitted and by our words we're condemned. That's heavy. So we just, period. We need to take it seriously. God takes it seriously. We need to take it seriously. Our society does not take what anybody says seriously at all. It doesn't even matter you put your name on something. It still doesn't matter. You can get out of it. There are always loopholes. There's technicalities. There are all kinds of different ways of parsing and backtracking on what we say. God's not the same way. What we say to him, it's a reflection of what's going on in our heart, good or bad. So just pay attention. That's not a heavy thing. It just means we need to pay attention. And that's going to push us in a different direction from society in general. There's some things that people can say that you can't say just because you're a Christian. And to do so would be, it wouldn't be reflect well on what's in your heart. So that's that. Ultimately, according to James 3, the basis for all of this, you can see it in verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. And that's the deal. Everybody, good, bad, and ugly, has been created in the image of God. And if we say anything that's demeaning or disparaging, that tears them down, we're tearing down someone who's been created in the image of God. Period. Which is, that's hard for us to get our mind around. Think of the filthiest person you know, still created in the image of God. And when we say things that, again, that are demeaning to them or that tear them down, we're ultimately insulting God. Because they were created in His image. If the picture is beautiful, or if the model is beautiful, then the picture of the model is going to be beautiful as well. So ultimately, when you're criticizing the picture, the image... You're criticizing the model, which is him. You can't do that. Side note, some of you say things about yourself that you would never in a million years say about another person. And it's just as wrong as saying something demeaning about another person. It's not, we don't talk bad about other people because it's other people. We don't talk bad about other people because they were created in the image of God. And so are you. And if you're saying things about yourself that you would never say to or about another person. You're just as wrong, even if the only person who ever hears it is you. You're tearing yourself down, and you were created in the image of God. And it's not about you. It's about him. So stop. Just stop. Just like you wouldn't say it to somebody else, don't say it about yourself. It's not humility. It's demonic. Don't do it. We need to pay attention, because what's in our heart reflect, or what we say reflects... What's in our heart? We also need to pay attention because our words carry weight. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. You all have lived long enough to know that sticks and stones may break my bones. Words never harm me. That's not true. Words hurt worse than sticks and stones ever will. And we need to recognize the power that our words carry. James starts this in kind of a weird way saying not many of you should be teachers. And what he's saying, it's not about teaching. That, that doesn't help us one way or the other. You can say, well, I'm not a teacher, so I'm Okay. It's not what James is talking about. He's talking about people of influence. Teachers have influence. What they say carries weight, and so he's saying you need to be careful if you're going to move into that position because your words will carry weight. But the thing is, all of us are people of influence. Influence is your capacity to affect someone else's behavior. That's it. Capacity to affect someone else's behavior. That's influence, and we all have it to a greater or lesser degree. There are several types of influence. The most obvious is called positional influence. You have influence because of your position, your job, your role, your title. A policeman has positional influence. When you drive down the street and you see the police car on the shoulder, you slow down. That's positional influence. Because of who he is, he's affected your behavior. It's the most visible type of influence. and it's, For some of us, it's all we know, but it's also the most superficial because most of you hit the gas when he's in the rearview mirror. He only affects your behavior for about eight seconds. That's the same way. Your teachers, that's positional influence. They affect you for the 50 minutes that you're in their class. Usually that's it. And when you're gone, you're gone. Different maybe with elementary school teachers where you develop more of a relationship, but high school, college, a lot of those guys, they, it's position. It has nothing to do with the relationship. It has nothing to do with who they are. It's the role that they play. Again, it's the most visible, but it's also the most superficial. It's the most temporary. What Jesus says, if all of us have, many of us, are in positional places where we have influence because of our role. And what Jesus says, if that's you, is you just serve people. As a Christian, that's what you do. The one who's the greatest is the one who serves. The one who leads is the one who serves others. So that's positional influence. Another form of influence is relational. Again, pretty easy. Positional influence is a function of your role. Relational influence is a function of your relationship. Friends, spouse, brother and sister. I actually think parent and child dynamics change over time. I think uh, in the early years, it's positional. Your kids, are, you have influence because you're their mom or because you're their dad. But over time, hopefully, if you do things right, that, that influence shifts from being positional to relational. That's the whole, I'm 18, I've moved out, I'm an adult now. Well, they don't have that same position in your life. And if that's the only influence you've ever exerted, well, it's gone once they move out. Hopefully, again, if you've done things well, it's shifted. Now you have this kind of relational influence with them. It's it's trickier to um, grasp this type of influence, but it's much more enduring than positional. Positional influence, it's really, I don't have a choice. There are consequences to my, if I don't slow down, I get a ticket. I don't have a lot of say-so in the matter. With relational influence, you influence me because I let you in. I recognize that you love me and that you care for me, and so I'm going to let you in and allow you to affect the choices that I make. So, regardless of your job title, or where you fit on an organizational chart, all of you can exercise relational influence with the people who are in your life, if you'll choose to. Hebrews, I think it's 1025, says, Spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's relational influence. Affect other people's behavior in a positive way. The last is called personal influence. It's the slipperyest of all of them. I think it's the hardest to define It's not a function of your position. It's really not even a function of your relationship. It's a function of who you are. If you're a golfer and you're whatever on the driving range and Tiger Woods walks up to you and he gives you a tip, you're probably going to take it. You don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him. He doesn't have any position of authority in your life. But because of who he is, you listen to him when it comes to, to golf. That's personal influence. Now, the issue for most of us is we're not Tiger Woods in anything. We don't have a long list of accomplishments There's not near consensus that we're the best in the world at anything. But for me, biblically, personal influence is not so much what we've done. It's not a list of accomplishments. It's who we are. It's the influence Jesus exercised. In Mark, I think it's 122, after he's taught, it says, the crowds were amazed because he taught as one having authority, not as the teachers of the law. There were people who he was close to. He did have an inner core of friends. But the crowds, a lot of them were anonymous to him, and he still influenced them because of who he was in the Lord. Because of who he was in God, his character came through. He did not have a position of authority. The religious, religious authorities undermined him every chance they got. And all of us can have that based on our character. On Fridays, I usually, I, I work here alone on Fridays. Penny and Kim work Monday to Thursday. And I usually keep the door locked so I can get some stuff done. But on this Friday, I had the door unlocked because somebody was coming to drop something off and I was working on this back computer I heard the door open and I figured it was you know kind of the usual suspects somebody coming in looking for something and I walk out front and it's my elementary school principal and I say and he says hey David and I say hey Mr. Brown and uh, I go and I shake his hand will you throw me that jacket right there so um, I was wearing jeans and tennis shoes and I had a uh, like a long sleeve button up shirt on and I had this jacket on, and my shirt was untucked. And uh, Mr. Brown did not like untucked shirts. So, sorry. About that. Sorry. So my shirt tails are hanging out of this thing this way and this way. And we're talking, and I'm giving him a tour, and he's like, yeah, I heard about the church, and I heard that you were doing this, and me and my wife were eating lunch on the square, and so we wanted to come down and see you. And And so I was... Tell him about what we were doing. And I took him over and we were looking at the children's stuff. And the whole, he was here for 15 minutes. This is not an exaggeration. Five to, the first five to seven, I'm trying to figure out how do I tuck in my shirt without him. And I'm doing it. Like I'm rolling it up in my jacket. And I'm stretching and shoving the shirt in. I'm not, I can't remember any of the first five minutes of the conversation. Because I'm trying to get my shirt tucked in. Because it's Mr. Brown. And that's. That's what you do. And so we're talking, and I take him over to the children's side, and he's looking in the windows, and he says, oh, I see good teaching going on in these rooms. I like what I see on the walls. And he's like, oh, that's so organized. Penny has all these baskets with all this stuff in it, and they're labeled, and he's like, organized. He said, you know, in the temple of Solomon, that Solomon built, everything had a place. I, I like this. This feels like the house of God, where everything has its place. And I'm thinking, don't go to my office. I've got ten books. I've got an empty wine bottle on the on the back windowsill and I'm trying to think how he's Baptist and no offense, but I'm trying to figure out how I can explain the wine bottle and all of these other things. And then he starts asking me questions and, and I'm, I'm, we just talked about lying. I'm willing to lie at this point <laughs> when he's asking me questions cause I, he's the, he's Mr. Brown. And so he says, you know, what are y'all, a, what are you a part of a denomination? And I say, no, we're an independent church and I'm, that, that sometimes doesn't go over well. And so he's okay with that. He's like, ah, oh, I like what you're doing. He calls us a mission. If that helps. You know, we're a mission from another church. And he says, are y'all um fundamental? And that's a loaded word. You know, kind of, that's a loaded, we're not. And I'm like, yes, we are, absolutely. <laughs> we fit like two out of the twenty, the 27 things it takes to be fundamentalists. We're like two of them. And I'm hoping what he means are the first two. And then his next question, "Confirm yes. So y'all believe in the Bible? Yes, we yes. We believe in the Bible, and he's like a contemporary worship. And I go, Yes. You know my wife plays the pipe organ. We don't have one of those. <laughs> and then he starts asking about service times. I was hoping he wouldn't. That's like nine and eleven. But you can sit outside if you want. You don't have to come in until like nine thirty or eleven thirty when the music's over. And he's, and, and what he says, he said, you know what, I like contemporary worship. It, you know, we gotta reach the young people. Whatever reaches the young people. And I, yes, Mr. Brown, whatever reaches the young people. That's personal influence. I haven't seen him in 23 years. I'm 34. I, you, what do you, you're 11 when you leave fifth grade. I haven't seen him, haven't talked. Honestly, I thought he was, I thought he was like 80 when he was a principal. When he walked in, I didn't know. I didn't know he was still alive. I had no idea what he was doing. But I started trying to tuck in my shirt. That's personal influence. He doesn't have a position of authority in my life. Um, it's been 23 years since I've been in his school. We didn't have a relationship. I, was, I, I never got sent to the principal's office. It wasn't like we were buddies or anything like that. We, I mean, he knew my name because he was a good principal. He knew my sister's name, my brother's name, and all of that. But we didn't have a relationship. If you ask me... Friday at lunch, list the 50 most influential people in your life. I guarantee you, his name wouldn't have been anywhere in my brain. But at 2 o'clock when he walks in, I start tucking my shirt in. That's personal influence. Who he was shown through to a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old boy. You, you've got that. All of you have that. To a greater or lesser degree with people. Every one of you. You might not have a position of influence, but you can be a person of influence because of who you are in Jesus. It shines through. I had no idea Mr. Brown was a Christian until he came in here. And he, he prayed for y'all when we left. He prayed for me. He prayed for our church. He prayed for everyone who comes in here. I didn't know that. I was nine. We were in a public school setting. He couldn't do that. But his character, the Holy Spirit in him, it shone through. And the same thing can be is true, can be true for each of us. Just like our words can tear people down. They don't have to, though. They can build people up. Proverbs, I think it's ten, twelve, ten, eleven, something like that. It says that the the mouth of a right, of the righteous can be a tree of life. If you're a Christian, then you're you're righteous in Christ. And the things that come out of you can be a fountain of life, a tree of life for the people you're around. Yesterday, um, We were doing some yard work, we have these hedges in between our house and the neighbor's house. I don't know what kind of bushes they are. They grow a lot, and they've got a lot of um, branches that are probably a quarter of an inch to a half of an inch in diameter. And my wife, Misty, was using the electric hedge trimmers, and she was doing this, and I had the loppers, and I was going back and trying to cut the bigger branches. And so she's telling me to get my head in there to try to cut some of these. The leaves look different on this Whatever. So some are green and some are variegated, so i got to cut out the green ones so it's all variegated. So I'm sticking my head in here and I'm trying to use these loppers and I'm wearing sunglasses. I have my contacts in and I'm wearing sunglasses trying to do this. And a tree branch comes in behind my sunglasses and hits me in the eye. And, I'm, and it hurts and I'm, you know, what? And I pull out my contact and it's, it looks like you shot a bullet through it. It's, in, it's shredded. Could have been my eye contact. Thin, clear, forgot about it. Your words can be the same way. That's protective covering for the people who, it's tough out there. There are a lot of arrows being shot at a lot of people. And if you, in the the, the the realms of influence you have, if you'll choose to say things that are encouraging, not lying, that are honestly encouraging, that are loving, that are full of grace and truth, It'll be like that contact was for my eye. And when the arrows come, they they won't know that there's a covering on their heart, but there'll be a covering on their heart. You can do that. Every one of you can do that. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And he knows everybody better than we know anybody. And if we'll take time to dial down and just ask him, God, how do I encourage blank today? He'll tell you. And then just say it. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to use King James English. You don't have to quote a verse. Just say it. These guys are coming in. Y'all can come on in. The kids are coming in. We're going to baptize a couple of folks today. And under your chair, there are note cards. And one of the things we believe as a church is that God speaks to the body, through the body. And I don't want y'all just to sit there and watch. When these guys are being baptized, I want y'all to ask God to give you a word of encouragement for them. I don't care if you know them or not. God does. God does. And he knows you, and you just need to go with what he says. If it's one word, if it's a picture, if it's a Bible verse, if it's a sentence, I just want you to write that down. We'll have a basket in the back, and when you leave, I want you to drop the card in there. I want you to write the person's name at the top, and then just drop the write whatever the Lord puts on your heart and put it in the back, and we'll compile all of that and give it to him. My daughter was baptized. We did this, at, I think, in August, and she got a book full of all of the, and she reads it. And though it's... It's like a covering for her. She can go back and see people who she doesn't know. This is what they saw in her when she was being baptized. and That's what we're doing here. It's not just that the words we say. It's the power of life and death. Not just the power of death is in the tongue. The power of life is in the tongue. And if you're a Christian, it's in you. We're Nick and Andy. Y'all come on up. This is Nick and Andy Chinnendet. They're going to both be baptized today. I have a couple of questions I'm going to ask them, and then uh, we're going to baptize them. Let me find my questions. Why don't you guys come stand right out here? I can't see y'all. Y'all slide around. Do you need this back? Thanks. You guys can look at them, and I'm going to ask you the questions. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Good. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, who rose again on the third day and ascended to the right hand of God from where he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. God, I thank you for Nick, I thank you for Andy, I thank you for Amber, their family, the way you've been working uh, the past, particularly over the past 12 to 18 months. And God, this is a you, like both said, this is a day you've made and this is specialty. You have this circled on your calendar. And so Lord, now we ask that this would not just be about getting Nick and Andy wet, but Lord, that as we pour water on their heads, we pray that you would pour your spirit out into their hearts. And God, that they would get up uh, from this experience and God that they would be new men strong in you at Jesus's baptism you spoke words of blessing over him and we want to do that as a congregation we want to welcome them not into the family of Stonebridge but into the body of Christ and so Lord I pray that you would speak words of blessing and identity over them now in Jesus name all right you guys can slide over we're going to baptize Andy first this is his mom, Amber, and our children's pastor, Penny, and they're going to uh, do that. So, Andy, is it? We're going to ask you just why you want to be baptized today, and you share that, and then you guys can go from there.
1: his energy, his enthusiasm, and his passion for life, and we would ask that you be with us as we guide him and teach him and praise him as you would have, mm-hmm. and we would ask
0: that you guide him and allow him to continue doing what's right and what's good. Dad's turn. He's got a pick right on the back of the road, He had a pick on his neck. <laughs> so, Nick, why do you want to be baptized today? It's, it's been a long journey, and I am happy to be where I am, and I can't wait to see what's next. Amen. Amen. You can kneel down. Nick, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You, Thank you, Lord. Today. Thank you, Lord. You Thank you, Lord.
1: Thank you, Lord. And everything we do as a family that we would have our focus on here and learn more about you every day. And love you more every day. Thank you, Lord. And serve others in your
0: name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank
1: you, Lord. Thank you for all Thank your blessings, Lord. Lord. Thank you for bringing us to this church and to this family. And all of these friends and for everything that you do for us.
0: Thank you Nick, I was thinking about uh, you this morning, and uh, Tom, our son went on the camping trip, and he came back, and he'd never been fishing, and he caught a fish, and I said, "Who helped you?" And he said, "Mr. Nick, he's a great fisherman, and that's who you are. You're a great fisherman. And I think just like with Peter, God wants to make you a fisher of men. You've had a long road to get here. And I, the Lord wants to use you to bring others in. And when the Bible talks about fishing, it's not talking about with a rod and a reel, but with a net. You've got a strong group of men who love you. And together, y'all can cast a net. It's more than just bringing in one at a time, it's groups. When we were uh, praying this morning, uh, one of the girls said that kind of the, the thought she had for us was families. And so I'm just going to pray, God, I pray for Nick and I pray that he would be a, not just a fisher of men, but a fisher of families, that you would use he and Amber, God, that you would use these uh, relationships that they have with other believers to draw a net around entire families and to see them coming to know you, Jesus. God, I thank you for the road that you've led Nick down. I thank you for his obedience, his willingness to explore and to question and to stick with it and then to say yes. Yes. And God, we pray, I pray there would be many who would come after him, God, that he would have uh, cleared a path that others could walk down. So Lord, we pray you would establish him in you. We pray that you would fill him with your spirit. And God, every good thing you want to give to him, we say yes. We ask that you would pour those things out, that he would receive those good things into his heart, and that he would share them with others. In Jesus' name, amen. The kids are going to go back so, parents, you can pick up your kids back at the um, in their room. That would just be better for us, I think, in terms of making sure nobody sneaks out the back door. Um, y'all can stand. We're going to close with worship. I'm going to pray. Uh, we'll have ministry teams up front. If there's anything stirring in your heart, if you want a prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, Bo will close us out um, when we're done. So y'all can stand. God, we do thank you that you will.